play I was talking about. Just good hustle. What is Kevin Love doing? I don't He's just batting it at. My goodness. Yeah, just. That's odd. Yeah, I think he was. It's the battle for the 10th seed in the East. Not quite what Toronto wanted at the start of the season, but after that disastrous March period with just one win and 13 losses, you'd certainly take it now. In more of a traditional Balling in the Six episode, Varel joins me to dissect several games against the Eastern Conference. Uh, Varel, what do you think of the Raptors' chances right now? Just right off the bat, 10 games to go. What are you thinking based on their recent form and the fact that, for once, all the players are healthy? I mean, it's been a lot of fun as a Raptors fan, hasn't it? Um, Has it? Yeah, that, that's the big factor, isn't it? There's We've not had the disruption that we've had for the rest of the season in the past couple of games, but potentially you could argue that it's, this has still come a bit too late, but indeed there is some space for some optimism and uh, I think it's just been enjoyable to see some good basketball being played by this team more than anything else. Yeah, that was exemplified by the Nets game, really. Well, there was two. Let's go back to the first Nets game, the second one of the season against a magical Brooklyn team. Now, it's important to note that in this 114-103 win, neither KD nor Harden played. It was purely uh, a Blake Griffin and Kyrie Irving show against the Raptors' full-strength lineup. However, you look at the likes of Pascal Siakam. We criticised him so many times this season for not being good enough to be a number one option. But he goes 10 from 19 from the field in this game. Nine rebounds, six assists, a couple of steals, 27 points. And, okay, I know Brooklyn are not known for their paint defence. But it's these kind of games for Siakam that will be so valuable going forward. Unfortunately, he didn't get the chance to take another buzzer beater because, you know, I think just one game we need it this season. Otherwise, the curse will appear to continue throughout. But, um, Varel, of course, this this net side is no joke, right? Top of the Eastern Conference, even without KD and, and, and Harden. Would you chalk it down to a pretty impressive win? Uh, considering the depth on that side with Shamet and Griffin and and even Jeff Green putting up stellar performances. Uh, yes, I think um, it was still a decent win for the team. I mean, um, you did see, of course, uh, Kyrie Irving take the brunt of the scoring loan, uh, the scoring load. Sorry, but um, yeah, you also had the likes of you know Luwalu Cabro coming off the bench. Uh, Brown actually had twenty one points. Who's been playing pretty well for them uh, in the past like 10-15 games um, so holding this Nets team to 103 points I think again even without Harden and Durant is still impressive um, so that's probably the biggest takeaway for the Raptors because it, again the defensive end is something they've been struggling with as well yeah they of course had to go up against Ramadan Kyrie who delivered with 28 11 rebounds 8 assists 3 steals and a block a monster performance from him but guess what you're right while the Nets struggle on that defensive end it's where the Raptors have managed to hold the glue together this season and that was exemplified by none other than Freddie Gillespie who at the time was on a 10 day contract 24 minutes played he only scored 4 points but he got 5 
blocks in this game. And honestly, he was a defensive monster. He looked really good. We've talked about him in past episodes. And we're very, very glad that it looks like for the time being, he will be the Raptors' backup centre or third string centre going forward as he's just been rewarded with a two-year deal. So congratulations, Freddie. And I think that goes somewhat to solving the Raptors' big man depth. But that's, of course, something we can look on going forward because it wasn't also rosy against the New York Knicks, Varel. Varel, of course, um, well, I can only imagine as quite an old-school basketball fan, you, you are enjoying the Knicks' resurgence this year, whether it be Julius Randle and his... He's basically Siakam 2.0 in terms of the spin, right? Probably MIP this season. RJ Barrett, a Canadian as well. And, of course, D. Rose, pretty much every game delivering off the bench. So, this mm-hmm. Knicks side, are they just unstoppable? Is this... Is there something in this New York team, this that Tom Thibodeau has somehow coached into it that will make them a force come to playoffs? Have they peaked at the right time? I realise that's a lot of questions just about one game. But yeah, what yeah. are your thoughts uh, on the Knicks and, you know, especially this game? Yeah, yeah. I, I think I can kind of unbundle some of those ideas. So, um, Julius Randle, incredibly interesting as a player because his play style honestly it shouldn't really work in the modern NBA because uh, despite uh, how good he's looked offensively his um, field goal percentage is around league average um, but his three point percentage has is at 42 percent uh, he's been absolutely lights out from there and despite that fact he's still being disrespected by defenders when it comes to the outside shot he's an absolutely spectacular outside shooter not just from the three point line but also from the mid-range. But going back to his playstyle, so I said his playstyle doesn't actually suit the modern NBA, but yeah, I just talked about how good a shooter he is. But that is because he struggles really to drive towards the basket. And indeed, he's not actually that spectacular an isolation player. Um, and, and that's because defenders can kind of sag off him because he's not that threat going to the basket. Um, his handball handling is not elite enough and... Uh, particularly his speed and quickness isn't quick enough to drive by very good defenders so his play style it's it's the the type of shots he takes are ridiculously difficult Uh, you talked about some of his spins but he loves using spins especially when you know like fading away from the mid-range but he has like an Andrew Wiggins type of play style like not driving much and just taking these ridiculously difficult shots at times but he's that good he is so good at uh, shooting I'd say for me he's easily one of the top he's easily a top five shooter in the league and that's probably something nobody has said but just look at the difficulty of the shots can we we back it up with stats can we back it up with stats well Admittedly, in the last 10 games, well, he has shot 47% from three. So, But 42% from the season. But it's, it's forget the stats. You just look at the eye test. Like The degree of difficulty on his shot is yeah, right. very, very similar to Kobe Bryant when it comes to like his mid-range game and his outside game. Just absurdly difficult. Um, so, yeah, um, it, unbelievable. He's been unbelievable. And, of course, he's like a rebounding monster. His playmaking is at a really high level as well. 
Uh, he's at six assists a game, but uh, again, you just look at the eye test. He's actually facilitating well for these guys. Of course, he's been helped by other players as well. Barrett has had a very, very good sophomore season after some struggles he had last season. Um, without going to stats too much, he's, he's just found his role a lot more in this team. He's at 17 points a game for the season. Derek Rose was a huge acquisition for them. Obviously, they got him from Detroit. But, yeah, um, we, we questioned that trade a little bit, didn't we? Yeah, well, we maybe did. it was just me, but I think we sort of said, why would the Knicks do this? They weren't in a great position at the time, seed-wise, admittedly, yeah, yeah. but they proved us wrong. Yeah, but it's, it's worked out tremendously for them. And um, yeah, he's, um, of course, he's developed loads of aspects of his game, but um, in terms of facilitating, he was uh, he's pretty much been coming off the bench for the most part, but even in the last couple of games where he has... Um, played an even more significant role with uh, Emmanuel quickly playing a slightly smaller role. That's a another aspect of why he's been so beneficial to this team is because he's a vet on a team with not many veteran players and even fewer players with uh, significant payoff experience. So that's where he'll really come in handy. But also it's been discussed that he's been uh, mentoring and uh, trying to help quickly develop his game as well. So uh, I think for both those reasons, he's been an absolutely crucial acquisition for them. Uh, we look at Alec Burks, interestingly, which uh, is a player when they signed at the start of the season, he thought, okay, this seems like a nothing signing, but this guy's uh, been averaging 12 points off the bench for them, off 40% shooting from three. And he's, he's just been a perfect offensive fit for them. And uh, not just that, but on the defensive end, he's, um, he's had to match up with quite a lot of people he's he kind of played the role that Norman Powell played uh, a year or two ago for the Toronto Raptors where he's basically been fitting in wherever the team has needed him coming off the bench whether that's you know a shooting guard point guard shooting forward he's even played very a uh, few minutes a couple of minutes at the power forward position Burks has so um the Swiss army man is probably the apt comparison that I can uh, make there and um, just quickly, very quickly running through the rest of the team, Reggie Bullock, amazing three in the player for the team. Uh, you have Mitchell Robertson, who's unfortunately um, had periods of injury. Uh, so uh, despite that, um, even when he has played, he has uh, played this, a similar role that he played uh, last year. So he's looked very good. But Nerland's Noel has had to take the brunt of... Um, Quickly's, uh, sorry, uh, Mitch, Mitch Robinson's role. He's ha had to pretty much play his position, and uh, Nolan Zoyle has been spectacular. Um, I think he's got the second highest block percentage in the league, but just on the defensive end, he's been an absolute beast. Um, and he's only signed with them on a one year, $5 million contract. And with how he's played, I wouldn't be surprised at all uh, in this coming off season if if a team doesn't pick him up for you know um, three years, like thirty million, around ten million a year, because his play has pretty much been at that level. It's been like Clint Capella light, um, I'd like to call it, but not not too far away from Clint Capella, honestly. Yeah, there um, was obviously some some rumours that the Raptors were looking to pick him up before Ken Birch and Gillespie came in, but his value is just going to be inflated now, especially based definitely. on the last two months. So, yeah, Noel's done a pretty good job, and he proved that in this game as well. Four block He only scored one point in 29 minutes, but he got four blocks. Um, 
and he really yeah. and he was a plus five on uh, on the floor. So he does his work, and it was a weird one from the Raps perspective actually because you look at the actual style of play: thirty-one assists on thirty-six made field goals is indicative of a very team balanced sort of play very pass heavy very swing keep swinging it out that sort of thing you look at the three top scorers it reminds you of norm uh what norm lowry and van vliet used to do in terms of van vliet 27 siakam 26 og with 27 his second 25 plus game in a row okay not much help from the bench but you take it overall and it seems like a decent raptors performance but no this nick side which has gone nine and one in the last 10 which are hunting the bucks down for third seed in the east would you ever think of saying that even three months ago are yeah. just delivering and quite frankly although it was kept pretty even in the first few quarters the knicks just pulled away outscoring the raptors 32 to 20 in the fourth and eventually leading to 120 103 victory so that's um they're just, they're just a good side. They're just a good side in the East. Yeah. And funnily enough, you know, one you just don't want to come up against in playoffs. You'd almost rather play the Brooklyn Nets. And I know this, it's a bit bold, but there's just something unknown about this Knicks side and, and almost destined. Yeah, <laughs> that is very bold. That is very bold. I think, um, yeah, I mean, you touched on some good points in this game, though, because... Yeah, we shouldn't be disheartened by that 103 points because if you look at the splits, 43% from the field for the Raptors, 38% from three, that's not actually bad. This New York team is the best defensive team in the league by a mile. Um, again, the stats kind of show that, but again, it's just the eye test. There, It's Tom Thibodeau's team. They are genuinely spectacular on that end. Um, so 38% isn't bad. The reason I think, the, whole, the reason for the 103 points, I think a big part of it has to do with being out, out rebounded by 11, a um, couple more turnovers. Uh, actually, no, um, the Raptors didn't turn the ball over much, but the, the lack of rebounds definitely hurt them. But um, yeah, um, with the Knicks going into the playoffs, yeah, who know what they can? Who knows what they can do? Because some aspects of their offensive play could actually be quite easily fixed, in my opinion. But some of it comes down to uh, Tom Thibodeau's stubbornness, I believe. For example. He's got a player in Obi Toppin who has drawn comparisons to Zion Williamson when it comes to his play around the basket, but he's just not being used properly on this team as like a pick and roll guy. He's when he, um, for the limited minutes he has played, he's been utilized as like a spot up shooter, which is absolutely not his strength. So um, if the Knicks actually make a couple of changes, I think that they could bump their offense up from like a, you know, around 20th in the league to like maybe 15th, maybe even top 10. And at that point, they then become a serious, serious contender in the East. I mean, it's just, it's just crazy to talk about. I'm sure we'll do it in our end of season wrap. But for now, we move on to a bounce back victory against the Cleveland Cavaliers. And for me, this was the story of the two athletic bigs and why Toronto have finally solved their big man problem. On one end, you have Kem Birch picked up on a lovely contract free of charge from Orlando, um, scoring what he said was the easiest 14 points of his life. Pretty much all his baskets assisted by Kyle Lowry. Um, And then on the other end, you had Kevin Love, who infamously, now notoriously, just notchinately batted the ball away to Stanley Johnson and walked straight off. 
you know, it yeah. was. He's apologized. He's since apologized. Of course, we should say, but it's kind of that attitude problem that that really shows, and and you sort of feel sorry for Kevin Love, and we won't get too deep into it now, but just just stuck on that contract. Everyone is stuck with this contract. The Cavs, him, other teams who want to pick him up for a decent fee. He's still a useful player, of course, but no one can do anything. It's just like a state of purgatory at the minute but luckily the Raptors don't have to worry about that because as we said Ken Birch is delivering on the other end that athleticism that ability to pick and roll that ability to defend the perimeter of course against centers and big men like Kevin Love who shoot like to shoot the three very very useful and he was one of the standouts in this game of course I mean I've already waxed lyrical about OG and Siakam delivering another set of 20 plus point games so you know, this was a win over a very, very poor Cavaliers side, 9-24 and 24 away from home. Um, so you can't really take too many judgments about the state of the playoff race from this game. All it yeah. was was a very professional victory. It You could see players developing. You could see the likes of Malachi continuing that upward trajectory this season. And quite frankly, I'm not sure there's mu- not much more to say about it. What do you think, Barat? Uh Yeah, I agree. And I think uh, with that, we can maybe... Should we look at the uh, OKC game? Um, or do you want to move on to um, just looking at the latest Nets game? No, I think the OKC game is pretty good. Of course, it's it's a good chance to pour one out for our boy, Chris Boucher, who unfortunately likely be out for a couple of weeks after going down in this game and of course he couldn't go out with anything but a bang 31 points and 12 rebounds but Varel what else did you notice about this game um I mean Lou Dort's 29 points and uh, interesting especially with five going um five from eight from the field as well um it's very very uh heartwarming to see I would say because when we saw him in the playoffs last season just the defensive duty he had when it came to defending Harden he did such a terrific job but didn't really get to express himself on the offensive end and uh, again more recently he's actually he's, um, played a, a bigger role um, on the offensive end he's been allowed to showcase some of his talents there so uh He's potentially not one of those pieces that you were looking at for this OKCT when it came to, you know, building uh, for the future. We mainly look at Shea, Gilchrist, Allen, Zander as like their piece that they're certainly going to hold on to. And we perhaps saw every other player as expendable, but I think Ludol is uh, making a case for himself uh, as being, you know, a secondary young, uh, you know, potentially star that the um, organization can. Um, you know, pair together uh, going into these next couple of years while they'll still be stuck in this rebuild. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a useful it's a useful outfit. One that has already beaten the Raptors this season with one of their worst teams. But of course, you've got Lou Dort, and he's part of that Montreal trio on the court this game, along with Chris Boucher and Ken Birch, which is very nice, nice. to see. And I'd I'd uh, yeah. put it down to some trivia. That's the first time three Montreal born players have been on the same court in the NBA but who knows that's, that's a bit it's a bit niche um, on the Raptor side again it's the bench that contributed three double digit performances from Gillespie Watanabe Stanley Johnson 
off the bench. Uh, interestingly enough, uh, Paul Watson Jr., we've mentioned him, especially in the context of his amazing 30-point game just a couple of games before this. Uh, unfortunately, he went 0 from 10. A uh, very Tony Snell-like performance. He did re- he did resurge himself um, with five assists and a couple of rebounds. But probably one to forget for young Mr. Watson Jr., of course. Um, a lot of people, just on a side note, have said that if the Raptors do end up signing Rishon Holmes as they're expected to, then you can probably have Watson and Holmes on the same court. And maybe that's the <laughs> maybe that's the secret to figuring out uh, some clues to the Lakers the Lakers oh. uh, dominance. Who knows though? Who knows? Anyway, that was terrible. Let's move on. If there's nothing more. Elementary, about this, my dear Kamel. Yeah, please, please move on to it. <laughs> uh, the Nets decided to take revenge. They're like, we cannot get beaten by these bottom feeder teams like the Toronto Raptors. So they come <laughs> out, and of course, KD comes out with 17 points. Jeff Green. Um, Ballin. 22 he was brilliant Landro Shamet yeah. as well Kyrie was held now Kyrie was held purely because of the Raptors defensive scheme it's the same one we saw during the championship season it's the same one actually we saw earlier in the season when the Raptors did have an, a record above 0500 it's putting those stocky athletic defenders and are playing a lot of rotation pre-helping you know pre-rotating on players, uh, doubling players like Kyrie and making other teammates do the work. Um, so that worked to an extent, and of course, holding the Nets to 116 is no mean feat, right? So yeah, so- and, and it wasn't just on Kyrie, by the way, who like uh, they did do it slightly on KD, but with KD, it's a bit well, weird. more than slightly because he did only end up shooting seven shots, which is pretty absurd as well. Yeah, so he didn't get in the he didn't actually get in the positions to take those shots. Right. Yeah. So Kyrie, yeah. of course, three for thirteen. KD five for seven. Um, when, when's the last time you saw KD with seven shots as well? I know he's coming back from like the injury and everything, but that's still uh, r- ridiculous, I think. Exactly. No, and that's that's really testament to Nick Nurse's system. But of yeah. course, one player he couldn't control was Mike James, off the bench, absolute baller. Look, it only got eight assists and eleven points, but it felt like he went thirty and twenty. He was absolutely astounding i mean he hasn't yeah, played yeah. very long uh for the nets he's a, he's a point guard he's uh straight out of east eastern arizona college uh he's come over from europe actually he's one of the euro league players who's looks like they're gonna have a successful career and maybe this is what people imagine teodosic would be like in the nba because his playmaking was just phenomenal. The no-look passes into the corner, especially in the fourth quarter, were devastating in cementing the Nets' lead. Uh, and one interesting fact was that KD and Kyrie were actually deferring to him in the fourth. They knew they were getting doubled, and they innately trusted Mike James to bring up the ball and to basically make those fourth-quarter crucial plays. So, big future for that man. Uh, what did you? What, what other thoughts did you have on this? Um, I'm not surprised at all. I mean, you talked about Eastern. Uh, was it? Did you say Arizona College there, Camille? Yeah, yeah. But that that shouldn't be relevant. He came from CSK in Moscow, which they are one of the best teams in the Euroleague. So there's plenty of times when I've seen the Euroleague when I've looked at players, especially on the Spanish teams, but. Um, likes of CSK in Moscow, you've got a couple of the Turkish teams as well, FS Pilsen, for example, Galatasaray, whatever. 
you, you look at these players and you're like, and of course the Greek teams, I can't forget them. But yeah, you look at some of these like um, players, especially some of like the American guys who come over and you think, yeah, these guys could be more than, they could easily be at least like an average NBA player. Um, so he was a very good player for that CSK Moscow team, probably their best player. And so uh, given that he's had so much experience now over in Europe, he's, he's now 30. So you're, you're essentially playing a vet. You're not, you're not playing some rookie. Yeah, I kind of really... misspoke when I say he's a, he seems like a young player, but you look at his career and he's already played for the Nets. He's already played yeah. for the, you know, the, yeah, Wizards, yeah. Uh, the Pelicans, I mean. So, yeah, you know, but in terms of longevity, you can see his style of play going for at least a few more years, can't you? Oh, 100%. Um, but, uh, yeah, he also, you probably made that mistake because he actually does look very young. He probably looks like 24, 25. <laughs> Rookie so, off the bench. Well, I, yeah, so I was, uh, exactly, I was kind of surprised when I was um, reading up on him. I was like, yeah, this guy's uh, much older than I thought he was. Right. Um, but, yeah, no, that, that game, you know, the, the Nets offense did it rather than the Raptors' um, lack of proficiency. And it was, of course, on the second night of a back-to-back. It would have been a huge boon, a huge bonus. But I think that brings us on to the current state of play for the 10th seed, which you've all been waiting for. With the Wizards having won nine of their last 10 and a Bradley Beal, and you, you just you just have to give shout-outs here to Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook. I mean, Russell Westbrook is the top rebounder in 19 of the last 20 Wizards games. Bradley Beal is dropping 30 or 40 on a regular basis. They're going absolutely crazy, the Wizards. I don't know what's changed. Their only loss in the last 10 games has been an overtime 146-143 loss to the San Antonio Spurs. They've beaten the Lakers along the way. Uh, You know, they've beaten Utah as well. And only a very tight, and have only lost to the Phoenix before this brilliant run. So I think they're in pole position to go for it. And of course, we can have a look a little bit later, maybe in another episode, at their fortunes and why it's happening. Uh, but I'll just bring up the Bulls quickly, who are like the Raptors, two games behind the Wizards on 26 and 36. They haven't had the best time recently, especially since losing Zach Levine. Vucevic is trying, but he just can't make up that scoring proficiency um but if you had to give a snap reaction now those three teams those three positions what who are you saying one two three come the end of the season uh yeah i mean 100 percent, you have to put the wizards there as number one um no there's absolutely no doubt in my mind um i think we've actually got no chance to make the 10 seed because i don't see the wizards losing too many games towards the end of the season um, I, I think our best bet to actually um, displace a, a team in the top uh, 10 is the Indiana Pacers. Yeah. Because they've looked really off the boil uh, post-trade. And um, yeah, this Wizards team, what, they're 9-1 and one in the last 10 as well. Um, look, they've gone on a similar, similar streak to the Knicks. So but let's not forget the, best... the Hornets as well. They're only, one, they're only half a game above the Pacers and they're three and seven in their last ten the paces are five and five so they're another one you can uh, they're another attention. one yeah fair, fair enough because they've got Lamella Ball injured this never would have happened and to Hayward, the team yeah. Lamella Ball's still here but to me they've looked good enough in the games that I've seen them to make that see they still look like a pretty good team but yeah I think this Pacers team doesn't look good at all so I think 
we're probably looking at the balls and the paces to slip up and for the Raptors to really go on a streak towards the end of the season. But saying that, Camille, I mean, we could probably finish off the episode looking just quickly at the remaining schedule. I don't want to look at the schedule. Don't make me look at it. It, it is tough. <laughs> It yeah, and if you, you, you know, read it, read it out for the listeners. Read it out. <laughs> oh my god, I, I'm getting some um, stomach pains. So we've got the Nuggets next, the night, the Nuggets, followed by yeah. the Jazz, followed by the Lakers, followed by the Clippers. Only the four best teams in the West. After that, we're having a slightly easier game against the Wizards team. Which, I mean, it's again, not exactly it's easy, is it? If they're nine and one, <laughs> it's, that's no. another monster in their form. Then we've probably got our only, uh, let's say, insignificant and potentially easy game, which is against the Grizzlies. But again, they're a good team, by no means easy. And let's just to round things off, we've got another game against the Clippers, since one wasn't enough for us. Then we've got three absolutely gigantic games in the Bulls, the Mavericks, and then the Pacers. So those games against the Bulls and the Pacers, somehow... The, whoever organised the NBA schedule knew that these teams would be fighting for the last playoff berth because um, hopefully by then we'll still have a shot of um, making that 10 seed and if we do we'll probably have to win both of those games so yeah that's the remaining schedule coup. Are you saying Raptors fans actually have something exciting to look forward to come the end of this season? I mean, like I mean I said, every game knows, matters now? For once, we'll every have to game. beat these giants. We have to be giant killers for the rest of the season. Oh, this will be a magical run if it happens. And if it doesn't, you've always got the compensation of Mobley, Cade Cunningham, or Jalen Suggs. So I think we'll round it off there. You know, it's been it's been a good one. I mean, the Raptors have been steady. It's more like what we've been looking for, but just that March streak has ended all aspirations of even getting past the first round. Now it's just a race to the playoffs. Uh, we'll see you next week. I think most likely after those huge four games, or maybe we'll wait until after Washington to really compound the misery. But Varel, it's been a great episode. Thanks for coming on once again. Catch you all next week, people.